It's the doc and the deacon, stethoscope and hope, talking everything from poop to the pope. One believing in spiritual miracles, the other believes in movement bowels that are irritable. Two dads, more like two brothers, and they breaking bread like the Last Supper. This show won't get negative feedback, that be like the deacon prescribing a Z-Pack. So don't get it twisted like a Philly pretzel, Foles already told y'all that Philly special. Take notes from the knowledge they're teaching, pay attention, it's the doc and the deacon speaking. Welcome to Doc and the Deacon, a podcast about two dads, one of us believing in the power of science, one of us believing in the power of Jesus, but both of us believing in the power of an ice cold beer. And speaking of beer, oh yeah, what are we drinking tonight? What do you have? I'm having a Southern Tier live session. I've got this, so Half Acre, I like Half Acre, they've got this double dry hopped India Pale Ale called Alive in its Jaws. (laughs) So I'm going to tell you, today brings us back to a bar. At a time where I was sitting at a bar, and this guy across the bar, who is going to be our guest tonight, yells, I think you've had your finger in my ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, is this a cursing episode? No, no. Did we already do that And one? so I immediately looked at my wife, and I was like, he's got to be a patient. And I looked over and was like, oh, hey, how are you doing? I don't recognize you, not bent over. <laughs> and so now I want to introduce, he's an actor, he's a businessman. He's a friend. Executive producer. And he is an executive producer yeah. of the pilot for Doc and the Deacon, John Woman. Welcome to the show, John Woman. John Woman. I remember, you know, I remember meeting John and never knowing where that line was gonna go. I remember you telling me there was a guy who's heard our podcast and who thought we should go to California to film this pilot. Do you remember that? It was the first time I met John. Absolutely, Mullen. absolutely. I had heard about him. Lots of times I've heard about uh, never anything that that uh, crossed uh, the lines or broke HIPAA. Um, <laughs> but I remember hearing about John Woman. And then I remember a few weeks ago, you asked, we were talking, we were out with John Woman having wings at a bar. And you thought that his job of like chief executive officer sounded better than his job as Executive producer. Well, your new title is pretty nice. What's your new title again? Uh, head of strategy. Head, head of, of strategy. strategy. I like it. I like it. Well, I remember that he had a small prostate and a nice smile. <laughs> and so today, those, are, those go together like uh, like Jesus and Sunday mornings. Well, I think it's time for us to talk about the movies and the process of movie making and why okay. we don't have a show yet and discussing some of the most religious and medical movies. Why around. don't we have a show yet? That is a good question. That is a good question. It's unconscionable. It's unconscionable. So, are we taking the SATs? John Woman, have you ever taken acting classes? I've never taken acting classes. Uh, I went straight from the business world into acting. I had an opportunity to be in a a movie. I took it. uh, I loved it. And I've been acting ever since. What was that first movie? Do you remember? Yeah, it was called Cut, Shoot, Kill. It was a film by a guy named Mike Walker, who I've done other work with. Uh, It's kind of a cerebral horror movie of sorts, slasher film. I played cop number two. I had three lines. I yeah. was acting with Alexandra Socha from Red Oaks, and it was, yeah. a, it was a lot two. of fun. Do you think that in your time where you were trying out, what could you have done different to be cop number one? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's a damn thing I could have done differently. They had me pegged. Uh, actually, Mike wrote that part for me because he owed me a favor. I, uh, he had uh, gotten a film into Sundance in 2014, but he couldn't get a hotel room because I traveled so much in 
my real career, I was able to get him a hotel room and in uh, payment for that, he, he wrote me a, a part in his next movie. So I, I, I love the fact you've been in movies. I love one of your movies that you made, Paint, which we're going to talk oh, about Paint a little was bit so more. Good. But I, how much, I bought it on Apple. Pay, pay for a, a, Apple, right? That's on Apple, it's yes. on Amazon Prime. It's yes. on yes. 16 different other streaming services. My question for you is, did you have to sleep your way into the industry or did you pay your way into the industry? <laughs> uh, I bought my way in. I, unfortunately, I didn't have to sleep my way in. <laughs> so that's just like the Catholic Church. Just <laughs> 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 bought your way in. I'm uh, not touching that one. Uh, Speaking of that, what exactly does an executive producer do? Generally, you write a check and then you pray, and then two years later, you figure out if you were you were successful at that. It, do producers actually, unless you've been in the business for a while, actually get to make decisions as to I want this person in the movie, or we're going to invest or film here, or initially is it just an investment? When does the management side of production come into play? Well, there's a di- big difference between producers and executive producers. Generally, at least in the films that I've been in, executive producers, me, I've mostly been uh, financing. I haven't had any creative control or desire to have that. Usually when they're casting a movie, it's the director and the casting agent that figure out who are the, yeah. the candidates. Sometimes the producers will weigh in. And uh, in my case, because generally I'm funding these, these films in some way, shape, or form, I usually pick the role that I want and, uh, and I'm usually given it. Yeah. yeah, I think if you pay for a movie, you should be given the role you want. And hopefully in the next movie you make, you're like firefighter number one and not firefighter number four. So my question for you is, growing up, were you in theater? Did you do any acting before you were the Duke Blue Devil in 1980-something? <laughs> yeah, I was the Duke Blue Devil in 1984-85, which was really fun. That's, that's an acting job. Uh, I was 10. More of a, oh, thanks, Pete. It's more, more sorry, <laughs> that's more of a mime job because you can't really talk. Uh, I'd done some comedy things, uh, but I never really acted. I'd, I'd been in some plays when I was little or whatever, but... Never really acted, no. Do you realize that the deacon is also does acting on the side? I know. I've seen the deacon's work, and I'm trying like crazy to put deacon into one of my movies if I can. Oh, that would be awesome. So my question for you is, who is the most famous person you've been in a film with? Uh, without question, uh, Dustin Hoffman. I did a film with him this past summer. Uh, he and Candace Bergen. Um, that was a really so you're saying good. Dustin Hoffman is more famous than Candace Bergen? <laughs> I would think so. Yeah. So I'm going to pause here because John Woman is getting ready to film a scene, and John Woman is playing a doctor, and I get a call from him, and I love John Woman because he's an executive producer, but sometimes he'll call just to like say hello and check in on you, yeah. and that's how I, I realize like he's a true friend. A lot of my regular friends call me and go, "Hey, how are you doing? I haven't heard from you in a while," and I'm waiting and I'm waiting, yeah. and it's like. Could I get a Z pack? Hey, I've got you know herpes. Can you send in these medicines? And I and I realized that he's not actually calling to ask me for things. He's actually just calling to see how I'm doing. This time he was calling to ask me for something, and I loved it. He said, "I'm about to do a neurologic exam on Dustin Hoffman. Can you talk me through it?" So I ran home and I did a video of doing a neurologic exam. And how did it go? Went great. It was really fun. Uh, the, the interesting part was I did exactly what you showed me. One of the one of the techniques that you show me and, and Dustin says to me he said I want you when you're doing that step on my line because he was going to give a line I said you know you want me to interrupt you when you're Dustin Hoffman goes yeah it's going to work you know just try this but it's not in the script he goes do you want more lines I said of course I do he said well then just do it so I did it and made it in the movie that's awesome you know where you get really good at learning to be interrupted 
If you come on Doc and the Deacon, Amen. it's a place where yeah. we jump on each other all the time. Like it's, <laughs> he walks on my lines like it's luxury bank playing vinyl. What? LVP. So you're doing well in the business world. Obviously, you know, really well because we're now an executive producer. How do you determine, I'm going to try to get into the entertainment business? Well, I had that opportunistic opportunity. I guess that's redundant. To be hit cop number two. And from you're there, not a screenwriter. You're the executive producer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm about to blow my lines. Line! Line! Uh, <laughs> take two. Uh, and from there, the, the guy that had written that film, Mike Walker, he and I decided to collaborate on Paint. And Paint got into Sundance. And at Sundance, I met a bunch of people. And I just networked my way into other opportunities. How many people, the first time they were an executive producer for a movie, had their movie get into Sundance? That's pretty amazing. I was lucky. Uh, I was definitely lucky. Uh, that movie did really well. It, it, it wound up um, winning uh, Dances with Films for Best Feature Film. Well, I think we had met by the time you started this paint process. I believe I was praying for you. So you call it luck. <laughs> I call it prayer. Either way, you got into Sundance. I'm with you, Deacon. I'm with you. I love it. I love it. Well, I think that my question is, say you made so many movies... That you were a big deal, and they made a movie about your life. Who would you want to play yourself in that movie? And then this question is also for the deacon. Who would you want to play yourself in a movie about your own life? I guess it depends at what age. If it's now, I'd, I'd definitely like to play myself. If it's when I was younger. Yeah, but you, you playing yourself is not part of the... <laughs> you're like the deacon answering questions on this. You have to, you have to answer the question. I'd want the deacon to play me. Oh, oh that's a great answer. But you have to shave that lousy beard. That's right. That's, that's a great right. answer. So the deacon is playing John Woman. The deacon I think who, I could pull it off. If you give me... I think I could do 5,000 Peloton rides and be right there. I'd be able to play John Woman. Okay. Who would play the deacon in... You know, I feel like The Deacon, you'd be one of those Hallmark movies. You'd be on oh, the Hallmark channel. Absolutely. The Deacon, the, the story of The Deacon's life as he went from making some poor decisions and finding Jesus. I mean, you and Kirk Cameron would have like, there'd be like The Deacon Part 7 on the Hallmark channel. So who's playing The Deacon? I think, uh, you know, there's the reality of, of who, so The Deacon has two sides, right? There's, there's who physically has the attributes to play me. Zach Galifianakis. No, it was it was it was going to go Brad Pitt, <laughs> but then it was like who has the chops, and then it comes Zach. Ba- I think ultimately it's probably Zach. Zach Efron? No, Zach. Yes. Or Zach Galifianakis. I think Zach Galifianakis. I think I've seen him do some. If you haven't watched uh, Baskets, yeah, right. He does a great job. I think he could capture um, the uh, the fanaticism of my passion for. For faith and, and also the reality of living that in a world that doesn't always accept it while trying to, um, to survive in so many other things. Plus, I think like me, he's probably had 15 or 20 different jobs. That is true. Right? So yeah. I think Zach is the guy. So for me, I would choose Bradley Cooper. Yeah. But it would probably be, I would get played by Jason Siegel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Both excellent right? choices for yeah. you. Yeah. 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 If, if Jason Siegel and Bradley Cooper had a baby, they could play me in a movie. Yeah. It's interesting because people will often tell I did something the other day in a, in a class at, at Orange Theory and somebody said, oh, I know you remind me of now. You remind me of a fit Zach Galifianakis. And I like that they threw in the, the fit. fit. Oh, I like that. First. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Very nice. Well, so we're going to talk through some movies. And I think the most religious movie of all time the movie that I realized, even when it came out, I was there for the opening. I actually went to this movie 
in the movie theater is Passion of the Christ. So Siskel and Ebert, get out of here. God I thought you were going to Sister Act 2. No, 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 no. I mean, you read the emails, right? We're reviewing Passion of the Christ. Yeah, but Whoopi, so you, I mean, Sister Act 2 was definitely better than Sister Act 1. It's rare that a sequel is better, but yes. I would agree that Sister Act 2 is better than Sister Act 1. Absolutely. So, Passion of the Christ. My favorite part of Passion of the Christ is the first word said in the entire movie, even though the movie is in Latin and a bunch of other languages. It was actually, for me, quite painful to watch, but it was very violent. But in the beginning, the first line was, Peter, Deacon, you could not even watch over me for one hour. And I was like, wow, I love that we're doing this movie and we're going to review this movie together. And immediately they get right after Peter. Yeah. I mean, so in, in the Bible, Jesus often got after Peter because Peter uh, was uh, someone who acted on impulse. He was very passionate about following Jesus. Did your parents name you after Peter because you're like, they knew you were going to be like him? Well, my dad's Peter. So I think I was named after my dad. That makes sense. But ultimately, it is interesting how many characteristics of biblical Peter that I carry, right? That I'm just, uh, that I act first and think later. He also that, looked like a fit Zach Galifianakis. That's right. He I did. believe he did. He did. Uh, but it's interesting because, you know, um, Jesus gets after Peter a lot. I mean, there's the time when he is the famous uh, saying from Jesus when he is in the garden and he's being arrested and Peter steps in front of him and he, he lops off the ear of one of the Roman soldiers and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Talking to Peter, saying, Peter, this is not the way it's supposed to go down. I appreciate you sticking up for me, bro, but back up. And then he, and then he fixed the, the guard's ear right there. But earlier in the movie, there were three times where they asked Peter, do you accept this man? Is he, is he your prophet? And three times Peter denied That's right. Jesus. Absolutely. And you know what? I get asked all the time <laughs> about the deacon. And never do I deny my love for you. You've never. not denied me once? Not once. <laughs> that was a pause. I like that. There's though. still plenty, plenty of years to come. So I have a question for John Woman. First, do you realize that Judas got paid less to put Jesus to death than you invested in your last movie. <laughs> what were your thoughts as a movie maker on a movie this controversial? What were your thoughts on this movie? It was a tough watch for me. It, it, uh, it was very gory. Um, what do you think was more violent? Passion of the Christ or Squid Game? <laughs> That's a tough one. I would say they're roughly comparable, but at least... Red light. <laughs> Green, Green light. light. <laughs> it was a tough watch. Um, it, I, I'm glad I watched it. Um, I don't speak Aramaic, so it was a little hard to. So I was following the subtitles, but tough watch. Really, really gory, uh, brutal, but good message. My parents have said that they could never watch it again because of their love for Jesus and watching. I mean, it was said that you know Jim Caviezel, who played Jesus in Passion. Um, there's a lot written about you know how he talked about the physical toll, the mental toll, all the things it took on his body. And some of uh, the things that happened during the shooting of the movie that felt supernatural. So, okay, as the doc, we've got a Jim Caviezel game. 
Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. I'm going to name four conditions that Jim Caviezel had while shooting this movie. He is the person who played Jesus. Yeah. Three of these conditions he actually had. One is false. And I'm going to ask the producer and the deacon which one is false. Each one of you will get a guess. So, number one, pneumonia. Number two, kidney stones. Number three, he was electrocuted during the shooting. Number four, hypothermia. Kidney stones. False. I'm discounting electrocuted. He was definitely electrocuted. The honest truth is uh, the deacon wins this. Yeah, he was definitely... As he should. He's a man of the cloth. He is a man (laughs) of the cloth. And as is Jim Caviezel. He's actually very Catholic. And I think that some of the issues with him not getting roles afterwards... Yeah. ...come to some of his thoughts that have come since filming this. This movie was filmed in Italy. He had a lot of connection with priests and the clergy and he actually spoke every day to people about this this was a big deal for him and since then he has really had pretty strong thoughts he is very anti-abortion right i realize there are a lot of people but he has come out as a as an actor and in the liberal world of motion pictures that is not something common um, i'm sure that john woolman as an executive producer will not give strong thoughts one way or another at this time he also has been rumored to be part of QAnon. wow mm. yeah so the most you know, I heard him do a couple of interviews. And in fact, um, in, in a men's weekend Bible study, we talked about Jim Cavizzo. And he talked about that final scene on the mount when uh, they, they put him up on the cross and he could feel, and the cross banged into the ground and he could feel his shoulder rip out of its socket and he could feel you know, his body lurching with the hypothermia as it's cold and he's hanging up there on this cross and he's trying to channel the actor in him and he's not having to work very hard because he said the physical toll it took on his body made him feel exactly like what Jesus was going through. And then all of a sudden the storm rolled in. They said it got so dark and all of a sudden he said he knew he was gonna get hit with lightning and bang. Wow. Well, it's funny. In, in these two movies, there's one common thing. There's one scene in each of them that I just, you know, it just made me want to vomit. Like the, the one where they had uh, in Patch Adams with the butterfly. Oh, so we didn't even, yeah. So we didn't talk about the, the, our other movie that we're going to talk that about. That scene. And then in, in The yeah. Passion, when, when Jesus dies and then there's an earthquake and everything falls apart. It's like, come on. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to tell you, I watched the movie. Hoping that the end was going to be different. I watched the movie going, I hope maybe they won't crucify him. Maybe he'll get away. I kept thinking, I don't know. Maybe there's a twist. Yeah. Like uh, water kills the aliens. Or uh, he was dead the entire time. If John Woman ever produces the sequel, would you agree that the end will be different? And Jesus will maybe, you know, make a rap video with Bieber. (laughs) <laughs> but I will tell you, the, the parts that bother me the most... I think if John Woolman makes a sequel, it's going to be about Peter building the church. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Peter building the church. That's what happens in Acts. So there was the whipping scene where he got oh, whipped oh, time awesome. and time again. Brutal. And you could just see the flesh come off his back. And at times, the ends of the whip that had spikes were getting stuck. And you could see it pulling the fibrous tissue and blood coming out. And you could see muscle pieces. And it was just it was hard for me to watch. And as I was watching this... One of my kids came in, and they know that we're not religious. And my son goes, Dad, who's that? And I go, that's Jesus. And he goes, why is no one helping him? I was like, well, I'm, I'm, 
I'm not, I'm not sure, Brendan. He goes, don't people think that he was here to save the world? People would just let these bullies destroy this man? Wow. And I was like, well, a lot of people think he gave his life. And he's like, I just don't understand why someone wouldn't have stepped up and said something. And I said, you know who had a chance and didn't? It was Peter. <laughs> and he goes, Peter McKenney? And I go, no, it wasn't the dickhead. There were also a few words He's in not it that quite, threw me not off. Quite that but there were times when Jim, you know, if you hear him talk, he said, you know, he was wearing stuff he, that to protect him during those scenes. But I think he got a hole in his lung during yeah. one of the scenes. He had a punctured lung wow. from yeah. the whip coming around the side and actually penetrating his skin, and he got a punctured lung from it. I got a really which is bad... what led, which is what led to the pneumonia. <laughs> it led to the pneumonia. Didn't, can a punctured lung lead to the pneumonia, Doc? It can. But it would have been listed. Holla. It would have been listed. He had a pneumothorax. Doctor, Doctor Pedro McKenney. I guess I shouldn't complain too much about the bruise I got while filming with Antonio Banderas. Oh, no. <laughs> I love it. Wait, you filmed with? You just said that Dustin. Dustin was that was not Hoffman a physical. Was the one, most famous. It, well, yeah, Antonio he's, Banderas is he's pretty, pretty famous. famous. Yeah. But uh, I, I did my own stunts in this film, and I got beat up pretty good. Wow, that's mm. awesome. That's no, awesome. No punctured lung. Yeah. Well, uh, I've got two other favorite parts, and one is not a favorite part. There's this thing in medicine where you talk about see one, do one, teach one. In medicine, somebody shows you how to do something, yeah. you, you then do it yourself, then you teach you how to do it. And there, there's a spot where he falls to the ground and they're putting him on the crucifix and his hand is falling off and they're getting ready to nail him in. And a guy goes, no, you do it this way. Or, you know, I'm reading the subtitles. And then he's like, you pull the arm tight and you wrap the arm and then you put the nail in. And I was like, see one, do one, teach one. <laughs> and then I realized that there was a time where at one point, in the midst of everything, they do a flashback. And Jesus says, love one another. And I was like, thank you. We needed more of that. Because I wanted some positivity. I wanted some yeah. things. And since the deacon, Orange, for Orange Theory Fitness, I have come up with the deacon crucifix challenge. Oh, okay. <laughs> Are you ready? I like it. Yeah. So this is what I want you to do. I'm going to need to take a video of this. And the first person I know that will do it is John Woolman. You are going to get a crucifix. It needs to be around 165 pounds. People do CrossFit. People throw kegs. I want you to get a crucifix, and I want you to carry it 2,000 feet, which is what Jesus did it. I don't need you to get whipped. I don't need you to wear a crown of thorns. I just want you to, like, get out on the football field, put a crucifix over your back, and 2,000 feet back and forth. And I will tell you, you're going to be in great shape. The crucifix challenge. The crucifix challenge. Well, there is a, in the martial arts world, there is a, a position called a crucifix. Where wow. You, you kind of, you hold the arms like someone's on the cross and you elbow their face. It's, that might be good for the deacon too. Yeah, we could film that. <laughs> As we go from Passion of the Christ, which was one of the most intense movies ever, we need to go something a little bit funnier. What mm. are your guys' thoughts on Patch Adams, which is one of the maybe more famous medical movies that have ever been? I loved it. I thought it was a, a brilliant movie. It was poignant. It was funny. It was interesting. Uh, had, a, had a great message. Uh, I really loved that movie. I thought we were going to talk about Cocoon. <laughs> but no. I can do Patch Adams. Okay. Uh, you know, I... So, I think Robin Williams... 
was one of the most talented uh, entertainers I've ever seen. Not just as an actor, as a comedian. As I mean, you know, um, my kids and I watch Mrs. Doubtfire and love it. I, I can go back and watch Dead Poet Society. And, Good morning, Vietnam. Oh, uh, good morning, Vietnam. That was a fantastic. I want to get my megaphone and come early one day. And good morning, Deacon family. <laughs> yeah, he was. So the basis of the movie is a man who's a little bit older. Yeah. Who is actually in a psychiatric facility. And he feels like no one's paying attention to him. And at one point while he's talking to a psychiatrist, he can tell the psychiatrist is not paying attention to him. And the psychiatrist is like, yup, yup, yup. And he goes, well, and then I'll use my penis as a pogo stick. And he's like, okay, and then yeah. what? And I, it, I hate movies where it makes doctors look bad and the medical system look bad. And the whole idea behind this was there was a man who ran a, a medical school and an older man who came in who just wanted to help people. And he wanted to do it in a different way. And he wanted to use laughter. And he wanted to focus on the people and the patients and not necessarily learning the medicine. But I want to point out in Patch Adams, you know what you didn't see? Is Patch ever studying? And like, he's almost like making it seem like, why are these other people wasting time studying? And the honest truth is, Patch Adams, most people actually needed to spend a lot of time to learn all the information. So I felt like he was showing off. I'm so smart. I can go and just play around. And I understand. And I love his point. Oh, there was a time when he was with that study group. He didn't open a book. But he, that's, yeah, he was hitting on the girl. Yeah, yeah, he met the girl. Of course, we all. why would you go to a study group? I'd go to the study group if Monica Potter was in the study exactly. group. Exactly. Sure. You go to the study group because you find a girl. And that's, that's what motivates us to study. So I want to point out, neither of you guys have been in a study group in medical school. That's not <laughs> what it's like. That's not what it's like. No offense to the people I went to medical school with. And I was one of the bad studiers, right? I mean, there was a, there was a ping pong table, right? Like... We were in Philly. We snuck away for cheesesteaks all the time. But it was, you know, uh, I mean, you had to study all day. I was bad at studying and still studied all day. But I, I will say, supports the message there is you have to treat the patient as much as the disease or condition. And one of the things that, because Chris, uh, sorry, the doc is my doctor. And one of the things that I really like about you is that you do get to know the patient. You do try and treat the patient, not just the condition or the disease. So there's a lot of patch in you. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I love it. And you need to be able to have humor in medicine. And I think what we learned from Patch Adams is that, of course, we need to focus on the patient. And so some of my favorite quotes from Patch Adams. If you focus on the problem, you'll never see the solution, which I think is an amazing one. Another one is uh, you treat a disease, you win. You lose. You treat a person, I guarantee you'll you win, win. Every time. No matter what the outcome. Yeah, no matter the outcome. There it is. That's, yeah. that one, that's one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, my favorite was, uh, you, cre you know, he's, he's standing there. He's contemplating life. He's, he's pissed at the way things are going right now. And he's yelling at God. And he says, you create man. Man suffers enormous amounts of pain. Man dies. They say you rested on the seventh day. Maybe you should have spent that day on compassion. And I think oftentimes, as Christians, people see the same thing in us as they see. They see that end result, right? Just like in doctors, they think we're never angry with God. And, and I think oftentimes Christians can just pray it away. Oh, we'll be praying for you. 
oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Pray for, pray to Jesus. And I'm not, I'm not making fun, but I, I think there's power in prayer. And I absolutely believe in the power of prayer. But when, when one of your closest friends has glioblastoma at 47 years old, it's hard to explain and it's hard not to be mad at what's happening and, and looking at God and question, say, why, come on, help me understand this more. Why does my bro, why is he going through this at this time? Why is somebody who's committed their life and struggled so hard, why would this happen? Did you not spend that? Maybe you could have spent that seventh day on compassion. And you know, when Pats was going through that moment, he had poured his life into people, not just medicine, but people. And we all know what happens. People fail. People fall short because they're human. And he was broken. And in that moment, I think it's okay. From a guy with complete trust and love for God and the plan, it's okay to sometimes say, I don't like this friggin' plan, right? <laughs> this plan is, sucks. Yeah. And I'm pissed. Well, as you guys know, I'm on the board of a charity, and mostly what we do is uh, we raise money primarily for families and individuals impacted by disease and disaster, and a lot of times it's kids with cancer, and um, it's really hard not to uh, be angry at a higher power when you see a, you know, a nine-year-old girl that you've, you, know, you have a lot of love for, and she struggles and dies. I mean, it's, it's heart-wrenching. But inevitably... I, I, I remember one in particular named Ella. Yeah. And I do know that I heard that since she passed, and I remember going to one of those events, seeing this young girl, and it was a pretty amazing event to see the outpouring. And um, at least during those processes, hopefully what you guys did brought her some salvation, brought her family some. And I think that what we've learned is with movies, what they're trying to do is move you. And what they're trying to do sometimes is we want to get away from our regular lives and we want to see compassion we want to laugh we want to be scared but and i think oftentimes chris and john what what happens is we feel this but i know if you talk to ella and you talk to the people that are going through that they always have a different perspective uh this sort of acceptance and understanding of what they're going through in a way that is much more profound you know that is hey listen uh I'm not going to survive this, but I want to leave something behind that helps you carry on and be stronger and don't worry about me, right? You always... This little girl, she was such an old soul, but uh, there was another woman, we were at an event and Ella happened to be there and um, Ella had gone through chemotherapy a couple times and this woman was saying, yeah, she was about to go through chemotherapy. She was saying, I I just don't want to lose my hair and I'll just look at her and say, eh, it'll grow back. I mean, that's crazy. My buddy who's, who's going through this right now, right? And he, he looked at me and he said, it got real simple for me real quick, Pete. He said, uh, you know, uh, I'd rather me be going through this than, than my kids or my wife. And I've been preparing for this, whether I knew it or not. God's been preparing me for this. And I can get through it. I will get through it. I must get through it. Those three things he always says, I can, yeah. I will, I must. And, and nothing, and we, we talked about not the pain of going through it, but the posture and say, hey, hey, you know what? You can't control the circumstances, but you can control and you can have a posture that shows your family how you're going through it and shows the world. It says, I'm going through this, not with a sense, uh, not 
as oblivious to my circumstances, but confronting the brutal reality of those circumstances and choosing a posture of strength and hope and faith. Yeah. And I think that's all you have. Yeah. You know, there was a, a, an admiral, Jim Stockdale, who was captured in Vietnam. And, he, and they talk about, he was the highest ranking officer to be captured in Vietnam and, and what it was like to go through that. And he said, well, what about the people that didn't make it through? And he said, it's easy, it was the optimists. The people who thought Thanksgiving would come and they would get out and Thanksgiving would come and go and they'd be heartbroken and a heartbreak would ultimately be their demise. And he said, you know what? You can never lose the faith that you will get through, which you can never afford to lose. But you have to be willing to confront your current reality no matter how brutal that current reality is. Yeah. And I, I think about that all the time, honestly. Because I look at myself and I think, boy, I ran the fastest I've run in a long time, but I'm not always happy with how I physically look, you know, but I have to be able to say, look, this is me and I have faith that I'll continue to change and grow. And I have to be able to confront that current reality and say, my physical appearance doesn't necessarily depict my, my health. Zach Galifianakis would kill to have your physical Absolutely. appearance. Absolutely. You know what? It's interesting. I have to turn it off at times. I give more bad news than good news, right? People come in wanting everything to be perfect. I actually today told a guy that he did not have cancer. I have gotten Woo! where I can tell someone he has cancer and then I can turn it off and get in the car and I have to drive home and it affects me, yeah. but it is a thing. And I think that part of the beauty of movies and Hollywood is mm. the ability to bring us to emotion and the movie Paint that John Woman made was hilarious, but the show so that funny. he produced that has not been bought yet Doc and the Deacon. Ah. So we go out there, we film a movie, yep. we film a TV show, we made a sizzle reel, and I actually think it was amazing. Yeah. John Woolman, what do you got to do to get our show sold? <laughs> Still trying. It's, nothing's over in Hollywood till it's over. Um, yeah. So there is, uh, every time Plausible pitches anyone, they pitch the Doc and the Deacon still. Um, it'd, it'd be great if it happened. You know, it's, uh, do we need to go out and do a reshoot? Do we need to change it up? Uh, it doesn't help that you guys are both white males in this day and age. So we live in a world, right, where some of the feedback we got from Hollywood is that we're both white, which, which is true, right? And I absolutely think that other people need opportunities. And so maybe we need to go out and refilm our sizzle reel and bring people of other ethnicities into it and for the television show, make it different than the podcast. And I think at some point, maybe in the next year when the, when the pandemic slows down, that we go out. I actually already have some uh, uh, doctors picked out um, that are not uh, white men. And we go out and uh, film it with a different crew of people with the idea of science versus religion. What are your thoughts, Deacon? Oh, you know, I got some deacons that I love. You know, I'm in Philly. And there's a lot of wonderful, wonderful people speaking the word of God out there that are not white. And I, you know, I... I, I am white in my skin, but I, 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 I don't even consider that a thing, right? I, it's just... Well, it's easy when you are a white male to not realize yeah, that's you're a white true. male, right? That's true. Like, I, so never, I, continue... I never noticed my color. I never noticed my gender, probably because I've never had to. I continue to challenge myself on, yeah. on those relational levels to understand what other people might go through. Here's what I can tell you. Um, I think that um, well, we, have, we continue to bring new people into this into the fold, bringing people on like John and, and bringing, you know, guests on um, to continue to talk about different topics. And I think this is, this is one that was supposed to be, you know, pretty funny. And I think we attacked some pretty 
important things. You talk about self-image, you talk about faith, you talk about hope, you talk about, you know, the power of believing. You know, we have our lives. Move, guess what movies are made off of? Real life. Yeah. Experience, right? Somebody experienced these things. So as we go through life, and I tell people in the gym all the time, when you complete something that you've never completed before, look in the mirror and say, I just did that. Because we have to learn to take mental pictures of, the, of those victories because, that, because I'm telling you, the sting of defeat sticks around way longer than the thrill of victory. Well, absolutely. I mean, I think when you're looking for opportunities, my question comes to what type of movie are you going to invest in next? <laughs> what are we looking for? Are you trying to make you know, whatever comes your way? Do you read all the different uh, scripts that come by. How can I get involved in reading some of these scripts? I would love to. Uh, what if a screen? What if a screenplay came across somebody's desk, where it was this um, well-built, really handsome man of faith who had been seeing the same doctor for years, <laughs> right? And his his physician had a god complex, and <laughs> uh-huh. the man of faith decided that he was going to uh, buy into his God complex and make him feel like he was God all the while he had a plot to end his life and he crossed the line. Jason Siegel would be great in that. And (laughs) used his power in the religious community to end the life of his doctor with a God complex. If you can get Zach Galifianakis and uh, (laughs) Bradley Cooper, I'm in. But my next movie is, it's already uh, uh, set. We're in pre-production right now. It's going to, film in uh looks like march but it's uh it's a film about death with dignity it's uh, Ooh, can uh, i get a can i get a casting call can i get it can i get the about, page it is about als it's about als yeah uh, chris was an advisor on this actually Lou I had, I had the uh, directors love, talk love to Lou Gehrig, yeah my aunt my aunt died of this years ago mm. uh and she didn't have the choice and now death with dignity is available in uh physician assisted suicide in like five or six states wow and we're doing it with uh, a, a male that has uh, ALS and he's dying and he yeah. decides to go out on his own terms. Um, the lead is going to be Tobias Menzies, who just won the Emmy for playing Prince Philip. Mm. And uh, it's going to be a, an amazing movie. That That's amazing. awesome. Are you in the movie? Yes, I am. I play uh, a mentor to uh, Tobias's character and, and his best friend. Uh, and I have some poignant scenes with him. It's going to be, it's going to be terrific. Okay. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Do you know that... Uh, I'm excited. After this, we're going to do uh, an act-off between the deacon and actually the producer. But I think the fact is science and medicine are everywhere. They're in movies. I mean, Passion of the Christ was one of the biggest movies ever. Patch Adams is a movie that if you ever want something to brighten your day, minus the part where his girlfriend gets killed, spoiler alert, is amazing. <laughs> and so... I want to say thank you to John Woolman for being an executive producer, for being out there, for doing something different. But I also want to beat him badly. And it's time for a game for us to compete. And we are going to have a movie draft. (coughs) We are going to have four rounds, snake draft. And at the end, I want... Snake draft means it goes up and comes back down in the same order. Yes, yes, yes. So there are four different rounds. And at the end, I want you to look at, hey... What movies did this person pick? And who had the best set of four movies? And so we had uh, draft order pre-predicted before the 
podcast episode started. And with the first pick in the draft is the producer, followed by the deacon, followed by the doc. So executive producer. In the first round, the first round, the question is, what is your favorite superhero movie? Uh, X-Men, the uh, the final, um, whatever the hell it's called. <laughs> yeah, X-Men. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know it'll never be the final because they're going to continue to make <laughs> X-Men movies. I would say for a first pick overall, I'm just going to give that average, right? So the producer's not winning so far. Deacon, you get the second pick. Mm. You said superhero movie? Yes. I'm sorry, can you repeat the category? All right. Superhero movie, I'm going to go with um, Batman, The Dark Knight. Oh, uh, well, so I definitely would have taken The Dark Knight with the second pick. I actually think The Dark Knight should have been the first pick. So maybe Deacon is in the lead. So I'm going to go with the easy answer afterwards. Uh, Avengers Endgame, it's amazing. They bring all the superheroes together. Is that the last one? (laughs) It's the last one recently. Yeah, yeah. The last 40 minutes when everyone comes together to fight Thanos is amazing. So, okay. It's about four rounds, right? Um, Howie Roseman screws up all the rounds. Hopefully, I'm going to get my chance in the next round. And I get the next pick because it's a snake draft. And in the second round, the uh, question is, what is your favorite Christmas movie? Okay. And this is easy. The best Christmas movie ever is uh, Christmas Vacation. Hey, Clark, there's a funny squeaky sound. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got to say Grace. Grace died 30 years ago. <laughs> so with the first pick in the second round, I will take National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. It's and I'm back one. on top, maybe. You pick the second best movie. Is It's back to the Deacon. And I'm going to pick my favorite movie. Uh, it says, hey, hey, you're really fast. Hey, I went through the, I traveled through the seven layers of the candy cane forest and walked through the Holland Tunnel, the movie Elf. It's a good one, but you're both wrong. The best Christmas movie ever is Home Alone. Oh, (laughs) those are three, like, out of the park hitters. I will say Home Alone was definitely high on my board. Next up, the producer. The EP executive producer, because it's a snake trap. But the next round is, what is your favorite horror movie? Cut Your Kill. (laughs) (laughs) it's gotta be a movie you produced i like it where can people buy cut shoe kill Uh, it's available on a lot of streaming platforms yeah it's it's, you'll find it on video on demand i love it i love it i love it and um with the second pick in this round i'm gonna go screen good one so the question is i realize that the deacon is a holy man do we think he's looking at my notes I can't see your notes. Look, I wrote Scream right there. I didn't oh, even have a backup. I, I thought Scream notes. is definitely the winner. Oh, my gosh. I worry the Deacon's going to win this draft. Friday He's, the 13th. Oh, I mean, I no, have, no. I have picked three, picked three really good movies so far. So I'm going to go with Strangers, which is not a super famous one. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's one where basically these people show up and torment this family. Mm. And at one point later they go... Why us? Why here? Ooh, should I, can and I change they, my answer to get out? I was going to say and they go, Can I change my answer to get out? And the answer was, because you opened maybe the door. Maybe I am too white. Because you were here. So I didn't figure that out. Maybe I am too white. Get out. Okay. On to our... Is that getting cut? That's a great movie. <laughs> on to the last round. Okay. This is where the fourth way, round pick. I, just so you know, I never had a, a, the first pick in any round. I was always in the middle. I think most people would argue for the middle because you get more time to think. Down in a hole. I'm down, right down in the middle. Okay. Right. Yes, yes. Maybe so in, the, the in this round, it is what is the best sports movie? Okay. And I have the first pick in this round, and it is my favorite sports movie. I don't know that it will win all time, but I'm going to go with The White Men Can't Jump. Great movie. 
That is Billy! Billy! I fell in love with Rosario Dawson. Her uh, name's Rosie Perez. Rosie Perez. Uh, yeah. <laughs> is that getting cut? <laughs> It'll probably get left in. All right. My favorite sports movie is Bull Durham. Ooh, Not that's a good one. answer. I like the original The Longest Yard with Burt Reynolds. Great movie. You mean with Adam Sandler and Chris Rock? <laughs> that's the second. <laughs> uh, the original was amazing. I think what we've learned from Doc and the Deacon is you get to meet amazing people and we get to hear people's stories and people are making movies and people are preaching the gospel and some of us are just going to work and trying to do good old-fashioned medicine. And what I love that Patch Adam said is we hope that sometimes we make you laugh. And the real Patch Adam said, people crave laughter as it were in amino acid. Mm. There you have it. You know, I think it's interesting because one of the things that we didn't talk about was the feedback from Hollywood. And sometimes I think because our choice was to never make this real combative, that we have this approach in the podcast to allow room for faith and medicine to coexist. I hate you. <laughs> you suck. <laughs> and, and I think, you know, because we always say, what's our, you know, faith, science, and ice cold beers. Well, I, I question whether or not we could actually make a real reality television show without giving up our dignity. I would love to make it happen. I would love to do it real. Yeah. But when I watch these doctors on TV, they're kind of acting, right? I play myself on the podcast. I am myself on the podcast. If we sell the show, though, I'll sell the idea with uh, John Woman, right? But this idea is an amazing idea. I it think needs there's to be plenty done. of conflict that you and I have yeah, that this- is created in our approach without having to create some faux uh, tension. I agree. Well, I think a, a couple of things. One is uh, more diversity. Would it be helpful? Another yeah. is more conflict. Conflict does create good television. Yes. Uh, and... I think the other thing is we, we, we didn't pick the best showcases of religion versus science. Uh, we could have taken much, uh, much more controversial topics. Sure. And, and that, that might have been better too. But you know, I thought would be produced was really So good. alien abduction is... <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was, we had a frivolous one for sure, but uh, we could have gone deeper into things that are a little bit more controversial and that might have helped. Well, I, I will tell you. Yeah. I'm ready to make a television show. I it felt you. comfortable... I was ready to rock and roll as soon as we were in front of the camera. It was an amazing experience. Even if it doesn't happen, I want to thank all of our listeners for being there throughout this process and uh, realizing that, you know, hey, Doc and the Deacon is going to talk, tackle a lot of different topics. And uh, today, I think uh, movies and the process of making movies and the fact that John Woman is in a movie with Antonio Banderas and Katie Holmes is uh, pretty amazing. Separate and, movies. Not yeah, separate that, movies. Yeah. And, and also the fact that he gets a chance to watch us perform. Uh, you know, uh, you are a blessed man. <laughs> I, think, no, I think one of these days, there's a chance that a star will be born. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> I think the question is, of the three of us, Probably the producer's going to be the star, but who knows? Who knows? Here's what I can tell you. I'm off the deep end, watch as I dive in. I'll never hit the ground. Crash through the surface where they can't hurt us. Nothing can stop us now. In the shallows. 
in the shallows, in the shallows, oh, in the shallows now. Two things you can count on. The doc is in. And the deacon speaks. And the producer is producing. Oh, he's producing. Hey, listen, thank you to John Wallman for stopping in. Thank you to uh, Plausible Films for giving us a shot out there in Hollywood uh, and, and continuing to push the envelope there. Thank you to our, our uh, rapper. Franchise. Thank you to our producer. Uh, Tucker Butler. Thank you to the ladies that make it all possible, our wives. And thank you to the listeners. As Jesus says, love one another. Peace. Excellent brain trust to market and brand this. That's set in stone like the Ten Commandments. This show won't be around for infinite years. I think we can all agree on ice cold beers. 100% authentic, you can't fake it. Often imitated, but never duplicated. So knowledgeable, take a lot of facts in. Now I'm coming to close it like a Roldis Chapman.